Welcome to Healing Broken Trust Podcast. I'm Morgan Robinson. And I am Brad Robinson. And we have some amazing, awesome content for you today. Um, But I want to let you know, if you're tired of feeling stuck and you're ready to take the next step, click on our website, healingbrokentrust.com. If you're listening to the podcast, it's in the notes section of this podcast. And you can access additional resources there and even apply to work with Brad virtually from anywhere in the world. That's healingbrokentrust.com. Uh, and that's where you can get started. So, Brad, what do we have to talk about today? Well, that's a great question, Morgan. We're talking about the crucial moments that happen in the everyday mundane things after an affair. Okay. So there's the crucial moments of ending the affair, the crucial moments of deciding to stay married, not deciding to stay married, those kinds of crucial moments. I think the everyday little moments are also extremely crucial. Yeah. And so we're going to get into that. Okay. And what, I, what I'm sharing is coming from attachment theory, which is really a fantastic theory that organizes a lot of psychology and a lot of thought. And I think that, it, honestly, I think this is a theory that explains human behavior the best. Mm. You've got Freud. You've got uh, cognitive behavioral yeah, uh, you've got all these different ideas, uh, but this, in my opinion, is the one that um, makes the most sense and really explains why we do what we do as human beings, but also provides a fantastic roadmap on what, on how to heal a broken relationship, whether that be a marriage uh, or a dating relationship, and it also provides a fantastic roadmap on, you know, how to heal but also where the where the crucial moments lie. And I'm going to talk about three if-then statements. And this, I see this, I see these three if-then statements in every interaction uh, with every couple that I deal with. And so it's real simple. And so the first statement is, if we're threatened, we seek out closeness and protection from our attachment figures. That's a fancy psychological word for our mate or our parent or our best friend. Uh, And so when we are threatened or stressed, in today's language, we we probably would say stressed, but when we're threatened or stressed, we seek out closeness and protection from our attachment figure. And attachment developed as a way to help us survive in the wild. So if there was a lion chasing you, you had somebody who had your back who could help you survive uh, in that kind of situation. Attachment also developed at, because human beings, we take such a long time to grow and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, our son, he's so young that he can't, he's totally helpless. He, can, he can't do anything on his own. And, and so attachment developed as a way to survive. And, uh, and so it's really our, our, it's been said that attachment is our greatest survival mechanism. You know, and part of what, so basically what attachment is, is it's what we do when we're distressed. And it's the emotional bonds that we have with people. So if I'm distressed and I feel that you respond to me favorably, then I begin to feel lovable and I can return to life as normal. And I feel like you have my back. And so, so if we're threatened, we seek out closeness and protection. It's automatic, you know, and the biggest avoider, the biggest person who minimizes their emotions at one point in time 
sought out closeness and protection. Mm -hmm. They sought out someone else as their safe haven, so to speak, as as they're they're a ship going into the harbor to escape the hurricane that's that's out at sea. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to their lighthouse, and so and so all human behavior and every especially every relationship that I've worked with. This is extremely true. If we're threatened, we go to our mate. If we're stressed, we go to our mate. Physically, we go to them. Uh, we pick up our phone and call them, and we're looking for cl- comfort. We're looking for protection. We're looking for reassurance. And and so that leads us to the next statement of, uh, of, uh, of the if-then of attachment theory. So we go to them when we're threatened, when we're stressed. If they are available to us, that's when we can relax, enjoy, and appreciate the feeling of being loved, appreciate the feeling of being secure, and we can confidently return to life as normal. We can go on, confidently return to our other activities. So what does that mean for an affair? Okay. So with an affair, and this is where it's these mundane, crucial moments that are small, it's maybe, you know, obviously the big ones like ending the affair, choosing to stay and work on a marriage, those are, those are big. But in these small moments, I get triggered. You know, I am watching television and I'm watching a show with our kids. And it's about, you know, watching a Disney movie and it's about a single parent. And that reminds me of the affair. I'm uh, doing something innocent and just kind of going about my day. And I overhear people at the office talking about X, Y, Z. And it reminds me of the affair. Uh, My mate does something innocent. And they uh, go to the bathroom with their phone. I see them take the phone off the counter and go to the bathroom. And that's a trigger for me because that's what they used to do in the affair. Right. You know, and where this gets crucial is, is these, so, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but where this can get really crucial is our mate sometimes can be our biggest threat. And so we, we, they can be our biggest trigger. They, we love them if we've been betrayed and we can love them after we've betrayed them. But if we feel like, you know, they uh, are how they're, if they're acting the way they did when the affair was going on, if we feel like they are dismissive, avoiding, not acknowledging the affair, not really caring about our pain, not really remorseful. If there's obviously still involved in the affair, we get threatened by these triggers. Mm -hmm. And you know what those triggers are. If you've, if you've gone through this, those triggers, and, it, and those, there are a few I gave, uh, and it could be, uh, there's all kinds of triggers. In fact, there's, there's too many to name because triggers come from literally everywhere. Could, I've had somebody, mm-hmm. you know, even the, the, the weather was a trigger. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but when we get triggered, mm-hmm. we seek out proximity and protection from our mate. Right. But yeah, go ahead. And I think to bridge the gap too is what you're saying is the, our mate is our attachment figure. Our mate should be the one that we can go to, but then we can be triggered in that, in, we, or then we're not able to go to them, or we feel like we're not able to go to them because we've... Sometimes that's true. Yeah, sometimes we don't feel like we can triggers. go to our mate just because of our past, you know, our past history. We don't feel like we can go to our mate. But here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's the crucial moment, and I'll get to the point. Uh, the crucial moment it is you get triggered, whether it's from your mate, like they do something, or you get triggered... Uh, by something outside, or or some of these triggers you don't even choose. Like you just have a thought. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. And if we're able to then turn to our mate 
and if we are able to find our mate available and supportive, mm-hmm. then we feel loved and secure. Then we can relax and go back to sleep. We may need to talk about it a little bit, but then we can enjoy and appreciate life again. Mm-hmm. Then we can confidently return back to life as normal and other activities. And that, but so we have to have our mate available to us. Right. But that's also true for your mate who had the affair. They need to feel like we're available to them. Granted, it's easier said than done because these things are complicated. Right. And so and you may not feel like being there for them. Sure. If yeah. And yeah, you're, you're bleeding. They're unfaithful. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows what, you know, there's a lot of things that can be happening in this moment. But it's these, these three concepts. Uh, so the third concept is, so the first, to repeat myself, the first is, if we're threatened, we seek out proximity and protection. I see, if I'm stressed out, if I'm triggered, if I'm having a bad day, if we just moved halfway across the country and it's an overwhelming experience, not even related to the affair. You know, this is stuff not even related to the affair necessarily. This is just about life in general. When life happens out there, I come home to experience safety and protection from the people I love. And if I have that, whether it's from an affair or not, then I feel like I can, then I feel loved because that's where love comes from. We, we, our self-confidence and self-esteem is really shaped by how those around us view us. If we feel like they love us and they care for us and they respond to us in a favorable way, we begin to feel lovable. And that's why, you know, it's so traumatizing to be cheated on or to be abandoned by our mate. And, and so, or, to, you know, of course, to be rejected. And so if they're available, then we can go on, you know, with life as normal. So that's a crucial moment. Okay. Right. We experience stress from because of the affair, something about the affair. Uh, a crucial moment could be, you know, I need you to be honest with me and talk to me about the affair. If they're honest, we may get angry, we may get upset, uh, but we begin to heal. We begin to put it behind us. And so, so, we, so that's a crucial moment. The other crucial moment is this, Morgan. It's like a fork in the road. I'm going to choose to respond to you and be there for you emotionally. And then we're going to go on with life as normal because I'm reassuring you. I'm comforting you. I'm not minimizing. I'm not in denial. I'm not uh, placating you. I'm, I'm being a healer. I'm being a, re, you know, I'm being a, a nurturer. I'm being a supporter after I've betrayed you. Again, this works both ways. And so I'm not just saying uh, blindly that the, the betrayer, uh, you know, they lose all rights. I'm not talking about that. If you've heard me talk about you, I've talked about that in previous episodes, so I don't want to kind of, if this is your first time you're listening, I'm not saying like, I don't want to get into it too much, but, um, so anyway, so if an attachment figure, so you experience stress, uh, you get threatened, you want to reach out, you want to reach out, Mm -hmm. but if they're unavailable to us, right. If they keep lying to us, if they minimize, if they're threatening us, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to leave you. I'm not going to be here anymore. You can't relax. You can't relax. Yeah. And you don't, then it confirms that feeling of I'm alone, uh, I'm not loved, I'm not supported. And what happens is, is we begin to try harder to get reassurance. So we become more blaming, more critical, more angry. We go to more drastic measures to almost like force a response. Yeah. You know, once we get locked in this pursuer mode. And, or we uh, begin to just slowly give up on the relationship. You know, we just, and we... And we could do that just by minimizing again, downplaying, you know, compartmentalizing. And so and that's, that's so those are the three if-then statements of attachment. And that's how it applies to our marriage after an affair. And it creates these crucial moments. And what it does, Morgan, is 
it really it's the those it's those small moments like that the everyday moments it's not the big moments like okay we're going to work on it after an affair i've had people come work with me and have been separated for an extremely long time i work some magic and and help them like stay together and then they they think all they had to do was just make the decision to stay married and mm-hmm. then they're done like with, with therapy with therapy with the process all of that but the real juice is in the the magic these magic moments of these little small moments where, you know, if we we're respond. stressed, we respond. And we respond with love. We respond with kindness. You know, we're turning away. Uh, you know, we're not responding with anger. We're not responding with wrath. But we're responding with love, patience, kindness. And what happens is, is we begin to feel loved. And we begin to feel supported. And we begin to feel secure, stable. We feel like things are consistent again. Mm. And Morgan, what this is... With ultimately this is, and this isn't something we've really talked too much about on the podcast, is this is you having a fork in the road to go towards a negative cycle or a positive cycle. And this is how, and so we've talked a lot about triggers uh, that lead us into a negative cycle, mm-hmm. the blaming, the criticism, the frustration, you know, the withdrawing, the avoidance, the shutting down. But there's triggers that, that help us get in the positive cycle as well. And that's kind of what this is, what I'm just talking about. Mm-hmm. Choosing to respond and as an available and supportive uh, mate you know, to our spouse in a way that they need us to be available to them. And that, that, makes may, sense. And that may mean being honest. That may mean you know, uh, ending the affair, obviously, being honest about everything. They get over it, trust me. Especially, you know, it's always scary in the first 14 to 30 days. But if they're with you after 14 or 30 days, they're going to stay with you no matter how many affairs you've had. Like, because they still love you. If one's not enough to end it, you know, they're still going to be with you. And so, and so, so what I'm trying to say is, is there's a fork in the road. There's this crucial moment where you can go into a positive cycle, you can go into a negative cycle, and there's triggers as well to the positive cycle. And some of those triggers may be, go ahead. Okay, so, so what you're saying in a nutshell is that... They're, the crucial moments are really small moments. It's not the moment the moment where you decide to stay with each other or those are big. There's yes. a big moment. They're important moments, yeah. but but the real fork in the road, the real things that people forget about are these small, little, incremental. Just just choosing to be available emotionally um, is is kind of like in the everyday things, the everyday mundane moments. Yeah. yeah, and what happens is so. I want to I want to talk about broaden and build in a second. Which That's we, another fancy psychological term. We can do that in another episode. Yeah, we can. We can do that. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about broaden and build in a second. But I want to talk give some examples on positive triggers. We can do that in another episode. Morgan's wanting in this. Make it short and sweet. <laughs> I'm going to do that. But I'm fighting for you guys. I'm really trying to deliver <laughs> valuable content. And so, so let me just say this real quick. Okay. And then we'll be done. All right. Uh, so positive triggers. So here's some examples of positive triggers. Positive triggers are uh, physical touch, affection. Positive triggers would be, uh, you know, I'm um, thinking, drawing a blank. Uh, affection, uh, well, they would be uh, kindness. Mm-hmm. They would be af- words of affirmation, like saying thank you, compliments, things like those are Those are some, you know, uh, things, but it, those are positive triggers. Think of, talk with your mate about this. Like, what is it that I can do that would put you in a positive, that would put us in a positive place? 
Like we know we have a negative cycle, but how can we start deliberately putting ourselves in a positive cycle where we create this consistency and this uh, doing things where we know, because we know we can put ourselves in a negative cycle, the drop of a hat by being demanding, blaming, critical, having a tone. Or we can put ourselves in a positive cycle at the drop of a hat by having a sweet tone, a kind tone, you know, by being affectionate. Or by, you know, compliments and using words that build up, words that edify, you know. So those are, so we can put ourselves into a negative cycle or in a positive cycle. And it happens in these mundane moments. It could be when you're stuck in traffic. It could be how you answer the phone with your mate. It could be how you respond to stress when you're with them. It could be whatever it is, there's these crucial moments that are playing out over and over and over again in your relationship all the time where one of you is feeling stressed. It's our natural inclination to seek out closeness, protection from our mate, reassurance, comfort from them. If we get it, we begin to feel supported. We feel like we can relax. We, we feel loved. We feel secure. And we are able to confidently return to life as normal, other activities, and it helps us rebuild trust. And that's what brings up the broaden and builds thing I wanted to talk about. Okay. As we go through this, as we develop, you know, kind of this, um, as we go through this and we start developing more of a positive cycle, we start getting what we ultimately want, which is the benefit of the doubt. We start to build trust. We start to be able to see our mate the way we saw them before the affair. We start to see them not as someone who hurt us and betrayed us and as somebody maybe is evil. We begin to see them as somebody that we really cherish and value and somebody that we're in love with again. And so so this broadening build, it just keeps building on top of itself. It's like compound interest. Other, you could call it a lo- other popular culture. It's called the love tank. And so, you know, you just keep building on that. And that in attachment theory, it's called broaden and build. It also works in the reverse, where it broadens and builds in a negative way. It's like, you know, they're not going to be there for me. They don't ever have my back. You know, I, you can't trust them. You can't talk to them. They're not there. And so I can't, you know, and I, I struggle to think of anything good. And so it works also in, you know, work can work for you positively or can work for you negatively, where we start to broaden and build our viewpoint of our mate, where we get locked in this negative view of them. And ultimately, what all of this is about is to help you feel loved again, secure again, so that you can confidently return to life as normal because you're able to give your mate the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. where you know that you are loved and that you're cared for and that you exist in their heart. When you feel like you exist in their heart and they carry you around and they're thinking about you, that's secure attachment. Mm-hmm. And that's what people who stray don't have. That's what they don't feel. One mate may feel that way, but the one who strays doesn't feel that doesn't way. Doesn't share that. And so that, in a nutshell, is you know the three if-then statements of attachment. And if you can apply that to your relationship, you're going to take off like a rocket. Naturally, there's trauma, there's hurt. That's going to be tougher. It's easier said than done. But this is a key concept I want you guys to execute in your relationship. So being there for your partner will soothe the the pain. Yeah. Yeah, and let me say this. This is how important I think this is. Like, this is the first time in over like a year and a half of doing this podcast that we've talked about this, but I think this is one of the most important things that we've discussed. Like, by far, by, yeah. By, yeah, by, like, obviously, that's me, my, from my perspective, somebody who works with couples, 
obviously, you know, somebody who's watching this, listening to this, you're going to, you're going to come at it maybe from a different angle. Like the limerence episode is really important. The negative cycle episode is really important. The cutting off the affair episode is really important. Yeah. They're you know, all some really of the, important. They're all, you know, important, but this is like, really, important. this is, you know, this is the crucial moments that get us from point A to point B. And, and, you get, you know. and I think this is the foundation too of what, like, if you want to say, like, um, what can I do? Even if my partner is not kind of interested in working on things, like, what can I do? Well, you can be there, right? So that mm-hmm. you can soothe their threatened mind, their yeah. that amygdala response, yeah. of fight or flight. And if you can be there, then you're helping them to seek you. And, and you're saying, I'm safe. I'm safe for you to seek proximity. I'm safe yeah. for you to, to come close to me. Absolutely. That's a great point, Morgan. I'm glad you said that because the biggest... You know, we're talking about threats and triggers and stressors. Unfortunately, the biggest trigger, stress, threat to somebody who's been betrayed is their mate, the one who betrayed them. So when their mate who betrayed them isn't really, you know, nurturing, supportive, healer throughout this process, they begin to feel uh, more threatened. They begin to feel like we're not going anywhere. This is helpless. You know, I need you to be honest with me. I need you to talk to me. I need you to... Tell me the full detail. I need you to give me the, the relevant information I'm asking for. Right. You know, I need you to have my back. And when I feel that you do, we're moving forward. We're getting there. Sure, there's going to be some hiccups. Sure, there's going to be bumps on the road. But we're largely moving forward because I know that you care. You're not downplaying. You're not minimizing this. You're not ignoring my feelings and my needs. You're not – because when people do that, it comes across as really selfish. Like you just cheated on me. Right. And you aren't even taking any ownership of this. You're not even, you don't even seem remorseful. And in fact, on top of that, you're still lying to me. And you're not even letting me kind of get confirmation that it's really over. You're just asking me to take your word for it, that it's over. You're not showing me anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not letting me kind of, if I look on your phone or go through your computer or anything like that, you get really angry and defensive. Yeah, I have no reason to trust you. I have no reason to trust you. Naturally, you don't want your mate to see that stuff if you've you've been involved because there's going to be stuff in there that's going to hurt them. Granted, you know, I'm not naive on that fact. However, from their angle, the one who's been betrayed, they they need that because it actually ultimately creates security. And as the one who was the betrayer uh, of your mate, you know, you you um, uh, I guess the word I'm looking for is, uh, you know, unfortunately, you're the biggest threat, but you're also the biggest source of relief too. Right. You know, you're you're, you're the solution. You're their hope. Right. And I know you feel like a turd and you don't feel good about yourself, you know, and your mate says a lot worse things than that. And you call yourself a lot worse things than that. But you're ultimately, you know, a huge part of this puzzle and moving things forward. And and so if you can master this, you. you yeah, if you can get this, this is like the fundamentals of like, right. you know, of this. And let me say this, because this is a two way street. You know, the one who I'm talking largely about the one who was involved in the affair being there for the one that they betrayed. Ultimately, this has got to go both ways because a lot of people who stray first felt rejected as well. They felt rejected first. And so this has got to go both ways where we are, we're doing positive triggers for each other. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to at times be really angry. At times really hate your mate because they, they cheated on you. But at the end of the day, we both have to be working towards positive triggers for each other because you know, we both have to be there for each other. We both have to be available and supportive at the end of the day. And 
Obviously, this process gets messy at different times, but if we can master this one simple concept that we're talking about, we're going to stay, we're going to be able to eliminate the negative cycle because we're aware of it. We've talked about our triggers, but we're also going to be able to be, to put ourselves on a positive cycle. Right. You know, and stay there where ultimately we're living in a place of consistent love, consistent feelings of security, and feeling appreciated, and being able to go on with life as normal. And so, if gardening has been a thing that you used to do and you can only do it because, you know, do the bare minimum of it and keep up, you know, maintain your yard uh, because of uh, just the, the emotional weight of this and the trauma from being right. betrayed. When, when you master this area, it's going to help you uh, of the positive triggers of putting you in a positive cycle. You're going to be able to go back into life and do your right. old hobbies and old things again and feel normal again. Right. And so I'm going on and on and on. I yeah. can talk about this more. Uh-huh. I hope this has been helpful for you guys. Yeah. And we're going to let you sign us out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. We hope that this has been super, super helpful. But we want to let you know that if you're tired of feeling stuck and you're ready to take the next step, Make sure to click on our website, HealingBrokenTrust.com, in the notes section of the podcast, if that's where you're listening from, and you can access additional resources there and even apply to work with Brad virtually from anywhere in the world. So that's HealingBrokenTrust.com in the notes section. Um, Go and apply today, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.